Hey team, it's Mon, and this is How's Your Head, an extension of the health classes you missed where I check in with everyday people and ask that very simple question, how's your head? We'll open up the conversation, break down the stigma, and inspire you to check in with the people that you care about. Let's go. A quick disclaimer here, guys, no one in these episodes is a mental health professional. If you are struggling with your mental health, please contact Lifeline on 131114 today or seek help from your local GP or other mental health professional. Look after yourselves. Hello, everyone. I am back here today with another How's Your Head in studio, of course. Today, I am very excited. I've said this with every producer team member who has been in, but uh, I've got another one. I've got Adam in with me today, the co-owner of Producey. You guys, if you've listened to all of the episodes, I think Dylan was on the second ever How's Your Head episode I did. He is the other owner, so that's awesome. I am getting through every single person in this office, which is great, dragging them in. They actually don't have a choice at this point. Firstly, Adam, thank you so much for letting me use this space and have this opportunity. I no really, really you. appreciate it. And great to be on. I think I would say long time listener, first time guest is Amazing. how I describe myself. Oh, well, thank you for the long time listener. That's awesome. And I'm sure any other listeners who are tuning in will be appreciative that uh, the audio has gotten that much better <laughs> through this space. So thank you for that. Adam, how's your head? My head's pretty full at the moment, you know, slide up and down the, the continuum, but yeah, I feel like I'm thriving at the moment, which is a nice space to be in. Lovely. And is there anything in particular that you feel like is contributing really positively to you at the moment? Is there anything that you're doing? Uh, well, from a professional perspective, you know, I'm really lucky to have a couple of roles that I really care about. I get a lot of job satisfaction from and, you know, I do bounce out of the bed every day looking forward to attacking them. And I guess in, then in my personal life, you know, I've... My wife and I have a almost 11-month-old baby girl at home, Blair, so she's um, been a lot of fun and, yeah, this brings a lot of purpose to our lives. So yeah. I guess, you know, everyone talks about that having a child brings you great perspective and I think she certainly does that for us. So that was, that's been a huge positive. Yeah, I was going to say that. I was. I feel like everyone who has children just goes, well, nothing else really matters, does it? Like it's your – it's that's your priority now, which is just, it's amazing. And I think you look for the little things a little bit more. Would you say that's true? Like, you know, kids are just growing a tooth or making a noise and that's such a big deal because they're so little. Would you say that those things are kind of, that's like the perspective that you've got with that now? Yeah, it's 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 strange because, you know, if you're fortunate enough to see your kids every day and, you know, I'm, I'm able to do that you know, which is so nice. You see them evolve over time and sometimes, you know, the time does blur a little bit, but then you remember back on the different milestones that they've reached. And I guess that's yeah. how you that's how you form your memory. So whether it's the first time that she smiled or getting her first teeth or starting to crawl yeah. like she's doing now, I think there's sort of the moments that will stick in because in the early days, there is a lot of stuff that's very routine-based and repetitive. So that can make it blur a little bit, but the milestones definitely stick out. Yeah, a million percent. I was going to touch on this a little bit later on in the episode, but I feel like while we're on the topic of Blair, how did you adjust to becoming a new dad? How did you go with that? Because this is obviously, like you said, your first child. I'm always interested to hear the perspective of the dad in this kind of situation. Yeah, I'd, I'd, it's interesting. You don't 
it's it honestly is one of those things where like one minute you're not a dad then the next minute you are yeah um, and you've got no time to adjust i know there's probably some dads out there that put a lot of time in in advance you know preparing and learning and getting themselves ready you know my wife fortunately spent a lot of time making sure that you know she knew what she was doing but yeah. i was just happy to let it come to me and i feel as though well i know that you know, generations of people have raised kids, so there must be some innate natural ability in all of this, and I've, I feel <laughs> yeah. like I've let that flow. Yeah, nice. Um, but yeah, it is full on, and we've been really lucky. Blair's happy and healthy and doing everything she should be doing. I, I can't imagine how difficult it would be if you had a child who was having health issues or, you know, was not thriving. So yeah. we're really lucky that we're in this position, um, but it does take a lot to get used to, and Pleasingly, a lot of workplaces now are giving dads more time off from work. So yes. some workplaces are giving up to 16 weeks paternity leave that they can use, whether it's you know when the child's born or at a later point, which is great. That's awesome. I had a couple of weeks, which was really nice to spend that time with Blair and my wife and make sure I could be there and be supportive and, and bond with her. But you do get back into work and you, know, you have realities that you have to get back to pretty quickly. And yep. finding a balance in that is a real challenge. And Sometimes, and you know, from my wife, she probably feels like she's just working the whole time because yes. Blair's always in her space. <laughs> yep. um, but for me, you know, you get up, you go to work, and then you come home, and then you know, you're straight on to playing with Blair or getting her dinner ready or getting her in the bath. And you know, that's a time when I can help out my wife for that couple of hour block. But yeah. it does mean that a lot of things that you maybe previously did for yourself or you did with your wife have to get sacrificed. And yes. we're sort of just coming through that. I feel like we're just coming through the other side of that now in that. She's almost getting towards one and, you know, she's a bit in a bit more of a routine. You can mm. start to look after yourself a bit more, but it's a big, big sacrifice, that's for sure, and a big change. Yeah, I bet. And, I mean, once they're – hopefully uh, Blair is sleeping well for you and everything, I think that's such a big thing too. You think about being overtired in any situation. I see my, my sister's got young kids and I'm just like, I don't know how you get up and function. And somehow, like you said, there's obviously this innate thing in us that you just do it and it just happens. And even for dads who are back at work generally quicker than mums, it's, yeah, it's such a, a crazy thing that you just kind of have to get used to, don't you? That's, yeah, that's well, life. I think you just get good at being tired. And yep. I remember hearing good a while ago tired. that, you know, one of the prime ministers at the time said that they slept four hours a day, which is obviously not healthy at all, yeah. but they obviously are able to get themselves in a position where they can function based on that. And, you know, it's certainly yeah. not as extreme for me from a sleep perspective as that. And, you know, full credit to my wife. She gets up during the night and does all that so I can sleep, so I can actually perform at work the next day. But yeah. you do just get comfortable with being tired. And I think that if the reason you're tired is because you've got a beautiful baby girl in the next room, well, I think that's pretty easy to deal Worth with. Worth it. Yes, amazing. So with all that change and the things that you have to, I get get used to in that way, are there any things that you had done previously or that you still do now when it comes to your mental health, some sort of like non-negotiables or anything like that that you do to take care of yourself? Because obviously, you know, you've got the big responsibility, but still need to take care of yourself in, in one way or another. Yeah, well, balance is so important for me. And I I think in my role as the Tucky Feelings Program Manager, you know, we go out and at the sessions that we deliver in community footy clubs, we talk about the mental health continuum. And mm. um, obviously I had a really good understanding of what that looked like, but I think having a child and having multiple things on my plate 
that's helped me understand the continuum really well because you do slide up and down on that, you know, I guess on a, even a, on a weekly basis and yeah. putting things in place to make sure that if you're just coping, you can get yourself back up to thriving is super important. And for me, I guess I recognize that maybe I'm in a coping phase if I struggle to slow down and, okay. um, you know, if I've had a really big week, sometimes I find on a Saturday morning, I know that I want to get out and do things that bring me joy and enjoyment, but at the same time, I can't be bothered because I'm so tired and you're sort yeah. of in that state of flux. But I know that if I force myself to go and do some exercise, I'll go out and socialize with friends, then just immediately it makes you feel better. And the last 10 months transitioning to being a dad and having multiple uh, things on my plate has been a challenge, but I've one thing that has been sacrificed throughout that period is playing golf, which I really love. Okay, But I've been yeah. able to get back to that the last couple of weeks and honestly just doing it the last couple of weeks and taking that sort of couple of hours, I just feel so much better and it's yeah, brought much better balance to my life instantly. So that's probably the, the non-negotiable for me and it has yeah. been a non-negotiable for a while, so much so that in my wedding vows, I made my wife promise me that I could play golf once a week and <laughs> I'd get her a puppy. Oh, my goodness. Um, the puppy hasn't arrived yet because we had a baby instead, yeah. but that's coming, uh, Donna. So Amazing. So if you're listening, the, uh, the promise yeah. is still here. Yeah. Uh, she's kept her end of the bargain up, so you better do the same. I love that, though. That's great. I also have a partner who is golf-obsessed, and rightly so. I think it is something that is, you know, kind of – become this big thing as a teacher of teenagers they all play golf now too which back when I was in school I think everyone just thought it was like this boring thing that old men did on the weekend but if you look at it it's like whether you're on your own or you're with mates you're walking around you're getting some fresh air you're out in nature you're just having a hit you you know if you're with friends you're having a chat I think that's super important and you know it sounds like you've got the balance thing pretty down pat would you say with still trying to socialize and and exercise and stuff like that i'm probably not there yet yep. i think and my wife's the same you do sacrifice a lot from a social perspective yep. so that's probably the thing that is yet to return and maybe some parents who have kids that are five and six and seven might say that you don't get it back until they go back they go to school, school yep. so it's always a work in progress but i think adding golf to the mix has been a positive for me and when i say it's only been the last couple of weeks that I feel like that I've been able to get there. But to pick up your point around golf, I think, yeah, it's really hard for guys and I know my mates now, if we ever catch up, generally you're at the pub so there's alcohol. At that point in time, there's probably gambling as well. Yeah. And with all that in the mix, it's really hard to have good conversations with people. But golf, yeah. you're forced to because you don't have your phones generally or you don't have your phone out. Yeah. Um, you're together for four hours. You're walking side by side. It's just the great environment to have proper conversations. And I've found that I've been able to connect with my schoolmates on a much deeper level through golf over recent years, which has been really nice. I really love that. I love that that has been something that is different to that going out and drinking beers. And not that there's anything overly wrong with that if that's how, you know, people want to spend their time in a, in a healthy way, as, guess, as healthy as possible as you can with that. But that there is that, yeah, that opportunity to just kind of, you're just going for a walk really, aren't you? And, and adding something that a lot of people are really passionate about as well. And I, yeah, I think it's, it's super important. And I think like you said, for men, we've needed something that mm. that kind of encompasses that. And I think golf is really great. So glad that's on the on the rise for sure. And if anyone's thinking, you know, I haven't tried it or maybe you want the opportunity to have that time with your mates, maybe go have a swing. See how you like it. Even if you know good, doesn't matter. 
it's all about having a go. Uh, what's more greens do days? <laughs> go to yeah. one of the more greens days. Let's plug that. Well, I mean, for anyone who feels as though it's too much of a barrier to get into, deal. Uh, Buckley wasn't playing golf two years ago and now he's completely obsessed. So, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I think it all, it's, all it takes is one game or one hit of the driving range and people get hooked. So, yep. yeah, I, I recommend um, it. I just, when I left my house this morning, I messaged my boyfriend yesterday actually and he said, oh, I bought a new book. And I was like, oh, what the hell? This guy never reads, right? He, he does not read. I get home. He has not paid attention to me at all. He is reading this book all about golf, <laughs> all what's, about it. What's the book called? Oh, I could not even tell you. It's like this manual from this guy that used to play ages ago that apparently everyone's talking about now. So yeah, he right. reads a couple pages, he gets up and he does his swing. He reads a couple really? pages. Love I'm just that. like obsessed, but it's great, right? And, you know, taking that time to spend with his mates, like I, I love that and I love that that's, you know, such an option now. I mean, I prefer him to be out in nature having a chat than yeah. at the pub gambling. So yeah. <laughs> it's good. Um, so you talked a little bit about Tackle Your Feelings. Mm-hmm. Now, if anyone's watching, you've got some merch on today. So do, that's the yeah. logo. Awesome. People can know that. So you're the program manager there. And that is a mental health program. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? How you got into that? What kind of made you passionate about mental health to get into it? Of course. So Tackle Your Feelings is a free mental health literacy program for local footy clubs. The the program was first delivered in 2019. It's since been delivered to more than 7,000 coaches, committee members and club support staff from across Australia. It's a national program. Huge. What it is, it's a 90-minute workshop delivered by a local psychologist in the footy club and then participants go away and do online learning. And the aim of the workshop is to give these leaders within junior and senior footy clubs the tools to be able to have conversations about mental health with their players. So if a player is struggling, then they can be connected with support, whether it's the local psychologist that's delivered the program in the club or whether it's other existing mental health services or go to the GP or they might engage with a psychologist directly as well. So the program is a partnership between the AFL Players Association, the Coaches Association and Zurich Insurance and it's funded by Zurich's charity arm, um, the Zed Zurich Foundation in Switzerland. And the catalyst for the program was the death of Adelaide Crows coach Phil Walsh in 2015, who was killed as a result of a a mental health incident related to his son. And at that point in time, Zurich Insurance was the life insurance provider for Phil um, and is working with Phil's family and the Coaches Association, the Players Association were also involved. And they decided they wanted to create something of value to the community and Tucky Feelings is born from there. So it's a great program. It's having a really, you know, huge impact and community footy clubs and sporting clubs in general are just such great hubs for support and connection and having conversations, whether that be about mental health or just life. But I think given the amount of time people spend there, it's just a great way for people to recognise when someone's struggling. Yeah, that's awesome. And like you said, it's so true. It's such a a big space for people to find mates and you know some people are a part of footy clubs exclusively for the social side of things I mean obviously we love footy and and playing and everything else but it is so huge for that and the community that is built around every single individual club is just it's amazing I feel like there's there's nothing like it in in sport you know like you don't realize how much you're going to get out of it I think it's really important too that the education that tackle your feelings is giving is obviously uh, recognizing when someone might need help, of course, but mm-hmm. also where to get help because yep. I think that's such a huge thing that people don't know where to start. And so maybe all someone needs is 
someone coming in, having a chat about it, and then they know, oh, I can go to my GP and talk about my mental health. I can, you know, call a counsellor in my area and, and have a chat online for 20 minutes for free. I can, you know, whatever it is, I think, yeah, that's super, super important. So how did you get involved with Tackle Your Feelings? Good question. So I've been the program manager for 18 months. Previously, I was working at the AFL Players Association, which is one of the program partners, and my okay. role was head of communications. And as part of that, my team was providing some support to the program from a content perspective. So I had a really good insight into what the program was about. I'd been supporting it since its inception. Yeah. And then when this role came up, you know, I was looking to move out of the comms media space and was fortunate enough to get this role. So yeah, really enjoying what I do. And my role primarily is about, uh, you know, leading the strategy of the program. We have 18 partnerships across Australia with local footy leagues yeah, to awesome. deliver the program. And it's about setting them up for success so they can successfully deliver great programs. Yeah, that is that is fantastic. And I feel like we've already talked about, you know, you've, you've had previous jobs, you're now program manager at Tackle Your Feelings, co-owner of Producey. Can you tell me a little bit about your career transition over the years? I found that talking to some of the other guys from here, everyone has such a unique story with that. And I'm interested to know yours. How did you get here? <laughs> yeah, my story is pretty weird. Yeah, cool, good. <laughs> I think that career transition, you know, maybe, so I'm 36 now. Yeah. I finished school in 2004, which just feels like so long ago now, <laughs> yeah. but it's just gone in the blink of an eye. But career transition at that point in time, I feel was a bit more risky, whereas now I feel young people you know, have great courage to go with their convictions and you know tread their own path, which is great. But when I finished school, I studied a Bachelor of Podiatry at La Trobe Uni. Oh, what? Um, <laughs> so it's, it's a four-year degree. It took me five after um, some subjects in year one were a bit challenging and I just yep. sort of cast them to the side, but I wasn't alone. Yeah, I so I did that. And to be honest, through quite a big chunk of it, I was just going through the motions. I wasn't actually thinking to myself, do I really want to do this as a job when I get through it? I was just putting one foot in front of the other. And to be honest, I'd probably more focused on being an unpaid uh, amateur local footballer <laughs> rather than yep. putting in the time that I should have been at uni or investing into my career. But yep. I guess that was just my priority at that point in time. First year things, I think. It yeah. Just, it just happens. So, <laughs> but, I mean, pleasingly, uh, and I'm proud of the fact that I did finish the degree. I worked as a podiatrist in private practice for three years. Some aspects about the job I really enjoy, and I got into the doing podiatry primarily because I liked helping people, and I did get a lot of satisfaction out of that. Yeah. The sports podiatry side of things is, is why a lot of people get into it, but you do get into the industry and realise that the money is in cutting toenails and supporting people that have chronic health issues and yeah. can't reach their feet, can't see their feet, or the blood's not getting down there. So yeah, wow. they need you know regular and routine foot care. So I was yeah. seeing in private practice more than 20 patients a day and basically cutting toenails, removing calluses, wow. debriding wounds sometimes, removing all the grown toenails. toenails. Things really all, all the stuff that <laughs> Feet um, in general. <laughs> yeah, all the stuff that people get grossed out by. Yep. So that was my first, I guess, career. I just got to the point where I had enough and I thought I just can't do this the rest of my life. And mm. my favorite part of the day was sitting down and reading the paper at lunchtime. And I'd always been interested in writing and love sport for as long as I could remember. And so at that point, I decided I wanted to go back and study journalism, which I okay. did and did a one-year post-grad degree. Yeah. And then finished that. And then I got a job at the AFL Players Association doing content through 
or I'd reached out to them to ask for an interview for a uni assignment I was doing and then just met someone there and hung around long enough until they gave me a job. And then (laughs) I worked at the Herald Sun for a period of time doing footy and cricket for online. And then I went to Fox Footy and headed up their digital team there. So it was very much about bringing the TV product into the digital world and social media and Facebook and Instagram were sort of just taking off as, I guess, pivoting from being a social connection platform to promoting content. So when uh, I got there, I think they pretty much didn't have an Instagram account and the Facebook following was in the hundreds now. I think at last check there, it's in the hundreds of thousands. So things have evolved a lot since then. And then from there, I went to the AFL Players Association was looking for a communications manager. And at that point in time, I probably realized that journalism didn't play to my strengths so much. I really Mm -hmm. enjoy leading people and managing people and um, the strategy side of things more so than being out and chasing stories. So I was successful in getting a job back at the Players Association as a comms manager. That then became head of comms. I was there for almost six years. And then Tackle Your Feelings came up 18 months ago. And I guess while I was at the Players Association, Dill and I started working together. So, I mean, this is a separate story in itself, but we've known each other for a long time. But when he was coming out of the game, he wanted some support with helping, I guess, transform his career from footballer to media personality. And we were working together and sort of Producey was born out of that. So the Tucky feelings and Producey roles, I guess, have blossomed in a similar time and I'm busy but I feel like I'm serving both masters effectively. Yeah, amazing. Wow, what a story. And how crazy. I just think, you know, starting with something else, I think this is quite common as well, people moving around to different roles and doing different things these days, like you said, and it is almost weirder for someone to be in the position for, you know, 50 years, like how probably most of our parents are or whatever else. But you said something there about being or understanding your strengths. And that's very reflective. Is that something that's just natural to you? Because I feel like there would be a lot of people listening to this thinking, you know, maybe I did start in podiatry and now I do want to move across Mm. somewhere else. Did you just follow your interests at the time? How did you actually get to the point of being able to be like, you know what, I know exactly what I'm good at? I I don't know if that's a silly question, but I I feel like personally that is something that I've struggled with being like, all right, where, where are my strengths? Does that come naturally to you? Is there something that you did to get to that? Point where you were able to identify them? Really good question. And I have thought about this quite a bit because it's so difficult to know what you want to do with your life when you first get out of school. And I yeah. know that's something that's said quite often, but I feel like particularly when I finished school, there was a lot of a lot of pressure to walk out and say, you're going to be this. And I think the right way to think about it is that you know, you're going to come out of school, have all these different experiences, and ultimately that's going to shape you into the employer, into a job that is unique to you and you don't have to be the same as someone else that you aspire to be. You've sort of just got to work out who you are. And, you know, in leaving school, I think there's a lot of the job you do, that's just part of you. It's not all of you as well. So Mm. it did hit me when I was studying podiatry. There's like, I'm going to be a podiatrist. That's not who I actually am. Yeah. Um, So there was a bit of a journey for me to work out that just because, you know, you do a certain job, it doesn't matter who you, it doesn't mean that's who you are. Yeah. So that was all part of it. But I mean, to answer your question, I think that through your 20s, it's just about learning who you are. And I, I don't mm-hmm. feel that I really got comfortable with who I was in probably as two hours, maybe 26 and 28. But yeah. when that clicked, life just gets so much easier because you don't really care what other people think of you. You know your strengths, you know how to play to your strengths. And then yeah. from my perspective, I feel that charting the way forward has been really clear from that point in time. But 
you know, your early 20s, I guess, is spent making mistakes and learning who you are and hopefully saying yes to opportunities, whether they're the right or the wrong ones. But there's no wrong or right way to do it. I think you've just got yeah. to tread your own path. I think that's so important, you know, that it's not like you didn't get out of podiatry and think, oh, I failed, which I think a lot of people do uni degrees because they pick them at 18 and then by the time they are maybe 26, they're like, this this isn't me, like you said. And yeah, I think that's so important that you view it as early 20s especially is a time to make mistakes, to test the waters, to see what you like so that when you get to 28, you do have an easier road, I mm. guess. But I mean, you could be any age. Maybe you've been in the same career for 20 years and you're thinking, I want to change. And that doesn't mean that just because you've spent your time doing this one thing, it's you, but it's not a failure to change it or to mix it up or decide that you want something else. I think Definitely. that's, yeah. Yeah, I firmly believe that it's never too late. And yeah. I I remember when I was making this decision and so my parents are both nurses. So that probably oh, informed why I got into podiatry because yeah. I just grew up around healthcare my whole life. And you know, I'm sure I share or I inherited from them a, a really want to help other people. And I yeah. do get a lot of value from that. You know, no matter what the setting, but that was the reason why I got into podiatry. But when I was, so when I was making that career shift, I'm sure my parents had doubts about why I was doing it, but they were extremely supportive and always have been. But one thing that always stuck with me was some advice, and I can't remember where I heard it, but it was that the price of your dreams will never be cheaper than they are now. So you know, the longer yeah. you wait, the more the price goes up. And yeah. You know, I can, I'm, I guess I'm tested to that, that, you know, when you do get to a point in life where you have more responsibilities on your plate, then it does get harder, but it doesn't mean that it's impossible. And the reality is if you wait longer, it's only going to get harder. So if you do want to make that shift and transition, I say go for it. And I do think it's getting easy to do it and it's becoming more common. Mm. I love that. Give things a go. Take a risk. Take every opportunity if you feel that that's what's right for you. I think that's important. I know... I was in that position at the end of last year when I was thinking, geez, do I want to go? I mean, I'm only second year teacher now and I'm part-time. So I've dropped back from a full-time role and I really struggled personally with, but I've just done this four-year degree. Why would I be dropping back already? But it's like there's different things pop up all the time and you've got to take them while you've got them. And it's so true. I remember someone said to me, you know, what about the money side of things when you have kids or you've got a mortgage? And I was kind of like, I don't have kids or a mortgage right now. So mm. those things are not not important to me at the moment. And so why wouldn't I do it now <laughs> while that is, you know, you've got less things to worry about, I guess. And yep. yes, very, very true. I think that's great. I think one of the things just on that, yeah. that has come out of COVID is it's really challenged what a career looks like and also what a week looks like. So you can still be a teacher, but it doesn't mean you have to be in the classroom five days a week. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you have to be working in a school either. Yeah. So yeah. helping people understand how transferable their skills are. And it's also not about spending 40 hours or 38 hours a week on a certain thing. It's about impact had. So if you still mm. feel like you're having an impact in the teaching space, well, who says that you're not a successful teacher yeah. just because you're not doing it full time? I love that. Thank you. <laughs> that makes me feel way better. <laughs> no, that's good. And I think I think whatever anyone is doing, if if maybe they're thinking, oh, you know, this might not be exactly what I want to do or something pops up and you've got the opportunity, like you said, at any age, but take it when you've got it because I think, yeah, life's too bloody short, I reckon. It is. It yes. is. Before you know it, you'll be a dad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you mentioned your parents just then. You've obviously yep. mentioned your partner, your lovely, beautiful little daughter. Tell me some relationships in your life that you're grateful for. Maybe it'll be with one of them. Maybe it'll be a personal or work one. I don't know. 
Sure. So certainly very grateful for the relationship I have with my wife. So we've been together for uh, almost eight years now. Um, We met through her sister set me up with her because my best mate at school, his eldest brother, he's married to... Donna's sister. Okay, so you're all, so, yeah, I was yeah. like, hold on, yeah, it's all linked. I love that. So, yeah, it's but great. I just know that, you know, we're a great team and she's such a caring, compassionate person. She's also very resilient, which I really admire about yeah. her. And, you know, we just get on so well and I love her sense of humour. And, yeah, we just, she's that person that, you know, I can sit with and just feel like I could be myself. And sometimes you can sit in silence. Other times, you know, you're laughing together. But we've had to deal with a lot of change over the last couple of years. We got married at the end of 2019. We went through COVID pretty much straight away. And then, you know, we found out we're pregnant. Uh, We bought a house. We've had Blair. We've become parents. So a lot's happened, but I'm just very proud and grateful for how our our relationship has only improved during that time. And yeah, we're a great support for each other. And there's no way I would be the person I am today without her. Yeah. Oh, that is absolutely beautiful. I'm sure we will, uh, if uh, she doesn't listen to the whole episode, let's just cut that bit out and send that straight to her. That's wonderful. I love that about being a team as well because I think that's such an important part of being in a relationship. You've got to be a team, got to work together. Has that just been really highlighted now that you've got a daughter as well? Like did that just go tenfold once you had Blair? Definitely. Yeah. Like, I guess before that, you know, there's little micro examples which demonstrate that. And, you know, I know that I would do anything for her and equally I know that she'd do anything for me. So when we had Blair, I guess she just became the third banana in that trio yeah. in that, you know, we'd That's both so do cute. anything for her now. So, yeah, yeah, it certainly does. And, you know, you just admire and respect your wife so much you know, even more for seeing the sacrifice that yeah. she's made to have Blair. I could never put myself in those shoes, but also never underestimate the impact that it has on, well, I guess, you know, in the modern world, wife maybe not the right term, but on my wife in this instance to carry the baby. And yeah, yeah so that's, that's such a huge sacrifice. So yeah, yeah I'm not sure if I've answered your question there. No, I love it. No, it's great. You mentioned being really proud of her. Can you tell me a time that you were really proud of yourself yeah i'd sort of given this some thought just before and i'd I'd, you know probably just getting back to the career side of things i'm just proud of myself for being able to take opportunities and you know just keep showing up because sometimes that's really hard to do there's times in your professional career where you don't want to do things but you know that it's the right thing to do and that's your role so you do it and i firmly believe that if you keep showing up enough you've got the right attitude you know you do your best in every situation well good things come to you and um, you know, I'm proud and of where I've got myself from a professional perspective and I think largely it's been based off yeah, showing up, you know, getting the little things right and being someone who does what they say they'll do and you know, that's really important to me. So I guess just getting to where I am now, I certainly don't think I'm the finished product, you know, I have things that I want to achieve in the future but I'm grateful I've got myself to a point in life whereby yeah, I'm really enjoying my job and I know that that will reflect on the father, um, husband, friend that I am as well. Yeah, amazing. Oh, that's great. I really love that. I think, yeah, I mean, you've done very well already and I know it's so important to have future goals and stuff like that as well, but obviously it is good to always reflect back on, on where you are now and I think, yeah, it's awesome. I love that as well, that trust in that good things will come to you if you just keep showing up. I think 
that's that's so fantastic. Have you always been motivated in that way? Do you think, was there ever a time in your life where you maybe doubted yourself at all with what you were doing? I'm sure there was. Yeah. And people often talk about imposter syndrome a lot. I don't really feel yeah. that personally, but I do feel a sense of I always need to be just on the edge of my comfort zone. Okay. Otherwise, I don't feel like I'm growing. And I like to be in a state of mind where I recognize that, but I don't let it overwhelm me. So that's good. Yeah, that that's how I've, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. a really delicate balance, I think. Yeah. Um, for sure. Because I think. You know, I'd go through times where I feel anxious about a number of things. But what I do from a professional perspective is say, you know, if I'm if I'm giving my best, I'm showing up and, you know, I'm sticking to my values well, it's hard to go wrong. Yeah. And if I fail because of that, that's fine. So, yeah, that is reassuring. Yeah, so just try again. Yeah, If it doesn't work, right. just try again. There's always another avenue. There's always another option and there will always be another opportunity, I think. So important. Mm. I love that. All right, Adam, final question. I think this is everyone's favourite one and I'm really glad that I came up with it, to be honest, because it keeps people to the end of the episode, I'm sure. Song or songs that get you up and about again when you're feeling down? I was okay. trying to think of a specific example for you then, but I was like, this has been so positive. I don't know. <laughs> There's none. <laughs> yeah, we've got two for you. Great, can't um, wait. So the first one is uh, The Killer's The Man. Okay. So I'm sure the boys in the office will probably hang shit on me for this, but <laughs> that's, I think that's one of those songs. It's really uplifting. Yeah. It's a bit defiant in a way. Okay. Um, but yeah, I find that to be motivational. And mm-hmm. as I said, I got married at the end of 2019 and you know the bride gets a song when she walks down the aisle and I thought that I and my groomsmen also deserve one. So oh, really? I had the um, <laughs> guitarist play that song as That's we walked so down as well, good. which I'm not sure if that landed with the people that were there, but <laughs> it was important to me. That's great. I love that idea. Don't just let the girls have That's it. That's right, yeah. Let anyone, whoever's, uh, whoever's the one starting up there, they yeah, get the walk correct. down as well. <laughs> That's so good. Uh, the other one is Gang of Youths, Let Me Down Easy. So my Love wife it. got me into Gang of Youths and they're our favourite band. Yeah. I think if she has a hall pass, it's probably the lead singer. Yeah, um, love that. So that's well established in our relationship <laughs> and that's fine by me. But yeah, so I think just love all their stuff. Yeah, that's but amazing. that song in particular. Yeah. I think I've had, what, three Gang of Youths songs and they've all been from people who are in this office. So Obviously gets played a bit, it I reckon. Does. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's great. Well, they will be added to the playlist. Thank you so much for spending the time having a chat with me. Um, I'm feeling inspired. I'm not sure how everyone else is feeling, but I think it's been so great getting to know everyone in here. I feel like I've probably spent the least amount of time with you, to be honest. And I think it's great that we've been able to to have a chat. I've been able to learn a few more things about you. And yeah, I just, I really appreciate you being so, so open and coming in and chatting about all that with me. So thank you. No worries. Thank you for having me on and um, a sincere congratulations for everything you're doing with, you know, this podcast, but also. I guess from a broader careers perspective, you know, Dylan and I have, uh, you know, see a lot of talent in you and we love this product and I really think that it's only a matter of time before it explodes. So we're up to be (laughs) along for the ride in some small way and be able to support. So, yeah, thank you. It's great to see you in the office every week and, yeah, looking forward to learning a bit more about you as well. Thank you. I appreciate that so much. I couldn't do without you guys. So don't say a small thing. It's a it's a very big thing. You've helped me out so much. And yeah, I do really bloody appreciate it. So thank you. 
No worries. Bye. Hey team, I hope you enjoyed this episode. It would be a huge help for me and the health classes you missed if you could like, follow or subscribe wherever you are listening. And of course, if you want to keep learning and stay up to date with me, make sure you come and follow me at the health classes you missed on Instagram or THCYM. And how's your head on TikTok? I've actually got two TikTok accounts now. So make sure you follow both of those to get all of that content. Thanks, guys. See you later.